1 Corinthians. We're continuing in our series in the Paul's letter to the Corinthians. So turn in 1 Corinthians 12, we're reading verses 27 to 31. This is God's holy, inspired word for us today. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you a still more excellent way. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you have gifted the church in a variety of ways. Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you've promised the Spirit and given the Spirit. Thank you that everyone has placed their faith in you, is born again and indwelt and baptized with your Spirit. Lord, thank you for that gift. And I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would be with us, that we'd receive your word, hear your word, that your word would take, take root in our hearts and minds and would bear fruit. God, help us to listen to you and your voice, Lord, and help me to preach in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I, I think that we take for granted, or at least I take for granted sometimes, what we have now in Christ and, and the privilege of, of not only being a part of his body, but being baptized with his spirit, having his presence continually with us now. Think about it. From, from the inception of God's people, from the very beginning of God's people, what they longed for was God himself, his presence, for, for God's spirit to be with him. About 500 years before the Son of God came to be Emmanuel, God with us, and then to give us the Holy Spirit, there was a prophet that spoke, and they were longing for the days when, when God's spirit would be with his people. They'd just come out of captivity and exile in Babylon. They, they, had, they had been prisoners in a strange land. They'd come back to the land. There was no king, no leaders, and, and only sporadically were people gifted by the Spirit to lead, to administrate, to, to prophesy. The land had been overrun. And they were longing for God's presence. And it's in that context that the prophet Joel, he, he prophesied about a day that would come. And in Joel 2, verse 27, he says, You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and there is none else. And my people shall never again be put to shame, because he's going to be with them. And then he says, And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men will dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. That must have been an astounding prophecy to the people in Joel's day, because only a select few would receive the spirit of God. And, and when they did, there was a dramatic difference in them. It empowered them and enabled them to, to lead and to do mighty works of God. And yet God was telling of a day when, when this would happen and when every member of the church would be gifted and the Holy Spirit would be poured out. 
that must have landed on people in an astounding, shocking way in Joel's day when they thought, wait a minute, if, if God's spirit comes and gifts individuals and then we can tell because they're gifted to lead or gifted to, to do works of art or they're, they're gifted to prophesy and do all these things, then what would it be like if all of God's people had a spirit? And that created a longing in that day and a longing that, that didn't come to fruition for more than 500 years. But you know what? That's the age that we live in now, church. Do you get that? Do you understand the weight of that? Do you understand the significance of that? This is the day, we are living in the days when, when God has done this. He has, he has poured out his spirit. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he's poured out his spirit on you. Don't let that mind-blowing reality escape you. you know, don't sit there thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, I get that, I have the Holy Spirit. Because that's somehow, you know, sometimes that's how I react when we hear of the gifts of the Spirit. Wow, the gifts of the Spirit poured out on all flesh? That truth's meant to affect our, our state of mind, our, our, our soul, how we think of gathering with the church here. When we gather together, man, we're gathering with people who've been gifted in various ways with the Holy Spirit. That is astounding. That should make us want to gather. I want all kinds of different gifts of the Spirit because you know what? When, when I'm by myself, I only have a few, maybe one or two, whatever, but boy, I get to come on Sundays or, or on Wednesdays as a care group, and I, I get to gather together with God's people. I get to receive from all kinds of gifts because God's Spirit's been poured out everywhere. But do you think that way? Here, here's, that's what Paul, he, is, he has been communicating to the church in Corinth. He has been communicating to them that they've all been gifted in a variety of ways and services and, and activities. And, and then he sums all this up, all, this, all that he's been communicating in chapter 12. And he says, you, church, you're a vital member of God's body. That's, a, that's the first kind of big idea that we're going to talk about here from this text is that you are a vital member of God's, Christ's body. You're a vital member of Christ's body. Now, of course, it only replies to those who have repented and believed in Jesus Christ, been born again, been indwelt by the Spirit. If that is not you, then I would pray that you, you do that, that you repent, that you turn to him, that you pray. And here's the wonderful thing. He, he'll give his Spirit to all who repent and believe in Jesus. But, but not only now do we have God with us, we have his, his very Spirit indwelling us. And on top of that, we have his spirit. He's given gifts. He's given presence to each and every one of us in his very own presence in unique ways. The question is, do you think of yourself that way? Do you think of yourself and as other members in the church as valuable members, vital members of the body when you gather? Does that affect how you view the local church gatherings? Does that affect how you view those sometimes you know, relatively difficult small group meetings, right? If you, have you ever had an awkward small group meeting where you're like, woo, that person talked forever. But you know what was happening? Come on, be realistic, church. I mean, come on, we all have that. We're real people, don't pretend. But you know what's happening when we gather? Is that God has given different people with different gifts the ability to gather together and to exhort, encourage, build each other up. When you come on Sunday morning, something more is happening than just what you get out of the message this morning. 
Although it's significant, God speaks through his word. But there's something more significant happening. You're, you're participating together in the gathering of, of a variety of gifted members that are vital to the body, and so are you. Does that affect how you think? Do you have that perspective? Well, see, whether you, you do or not, it's true. That's what Paul's telling the church in Corinth. They were plagued by division. They were, they were separating themselves uh, by comparison and they were, they were giving into that. Their identity was rooted in themselves and not in Jesus. And if you find yourself comparing yourself and your gifts to other people, then you might want to consider where your identity is. Is it in yourself or is it in Christ and all that he's done in you and through you and for you? And so it's this context of competition, of comparison, of one-upsmanship of, of this uh, superiority of status that Paul writes. And he says, you're all vital members, vital members of this body. Think of yourselves as a whole, and individually you're members of this whole unit. You're inextricably linked together in the body. Each and every member of the church is necessary to the body of Christ. Christian, you belong in Christ's body. If you are here today, and you are a believer in Jesus Christ. You belong in Christ's body. You are a part of Christ's body. You have a place in Christ's body. If you remember from a few weeks ago, we're last in Corinthians 12, he, he talked about being placed specifically, strategically, like, like a specific puzzle piece, like the remaining piece in a puzzle put into a puzzle. You've been composed and put into the body of Christ in that way, designed specifically and placed there. Now, you might be a little bit different shape than somebody else, but God has composed that and put you there. The whole Trinity was involved. We saw earlier in the chapter that, that, that God the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they're involved in, in gifting a variety of acts and services and, and manifestations of the Spirit all for the common good that he's chosen and he's arranged all these members of the body for our good and so that we might benefit one another. Too often, though, I think we have an individualistic mindset. We come to church thinking that about ourselves only. What we can contribute, what we can get, how it affected us. And yet God says, no, you are members individually, but you're members of a body. The consumer mindset is, is not existent in scripture. The idea of a Christian not needing the body, of being apart from the body and being okay, that's not something you find in the New Testament. It's contrary, in fact, to the Bible. If, if, and by the way, as an aside, if you have not yet found a local church to join a local manifestation of Christ's body, which is the body of Christ, if you're, if you're in that place where you haven't found a church yet, that's fine, but don't be comfortable for long. I don't know how long a body part of mine can live if it's cut off, even if it's put on ice, but it's not long. You know, there's a reason why when they are transplanting organs and they put them on ice, that they fly them there, they rush them there, because they're, they're not meant to survive on their own. So find a church that preaches the word of God, that loves learning about God, that loves each other, that seeks to be obedient disciples of Jesus Christ. Not perfect church. Because if any of us join a church that we think is perfect, it will no longer be Perfect. Not a place where there's perfect leaders, congregation is perfect, but one that preaches the gospel and seeks to apply it to their lives. That's, that's okay with saying, hey, look, I, I blew it. But thanks be to God that the grace of God is what I'm relying on. 
If you need help, we'd be glad to come alongside you. We'd be glad to help you find a local church. But you know what? A cut-off body part is just that. It's meant to be a member of the body. And not only is, 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 is God with us as together we join and we're members of his body, we get to experience his presence through other members of the body too. Just, just like all of my members, that the blood flows through each and every member as we're all connected together <laughs> The form of body. So does, does the Holy Spirit. He builds up, he encourages, he edifies the body as all of us are joined together in one body. And God's poured out a spirit just like he prophesied about in Joel. And get this, here's the second big idea that we're gonna look at today is that not only, not only are we each individually vital members of the church, but God anoints and he appoints each and every member. God has anointed and appointed each and every member with his spirit. You know, this imagery of, of pouring out that it talked about in Joel, it's this, this pouring out imagery. It's the same kind of imagery that's used when, whenever the Spirit came on somebody else and they anointed that person for an act of service, some great and mighty deed, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. They anointed them first, and then the Holy Spirit worked through them. And so this, this word for appointed, it's the same kind of imagery is, is meant to be called to mind. When, when we're appointed, God is appointing you, and he's gifting you, pouring out a spirit on you as he appoints you to do the works of ministry. God never expects you to live the Christian life on your own apart from his enabling, empowering spirit. And he never calls you or points you to a task without also saying that he wants you to rely on his spirit. No, God says the gospel is the very power of God for salvation so that when, when we're called to preach the gospel, we can rely on his power to do so. You know, God's the one who promises to open up deaf ears to open blind eyes. He promises to be at work in and through our work and as we trust in him, we rely on him. When God appointed Joshua, what, what happened? He, he appoints him and he says that be strong and courageous because he's with him. God's Holy Spirit is with us. When he appoints us, as it says in this, in this verse, he says, God has appointed. God's appointed a variety of gifts in the church. And when he appoints people, he also anoints them with his spirit for works of ministry. I want that to settle on you for a moment. If you have whatever gift you believe God's given to you, if you have gifts that God has given, if you have any gifts that can build up, edify, encourage, and serve the church in some way, then that is a God-anointed and God-appointed gift. You've been anointed and appointed by God. He's anointed and poured out his spirit on every member of Christ's body. And looked in verse 28, he's done that in a variety of ways. And he gives a list here. This is not meant to be a list of hierarchical things, but... But he says, you know, this is, you have apostles and prophets and teachers. Now, he, he might be drawing attention specifically to those three, but he gives some numbers there. The first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. But the rest he kind of lumps in there. Then miracles. And what that word is, is actually powerful workings. There's a whole bunch of different powerful workings of the Spirit. Where you see the Spirit's powerful activity work. Then gifts of healing. And then in the middle of all that stuff, he throws in Helps. And you might not be expecting that. Hey, we've got powerful workings. We've got helps. And then we have, what? Helps? Administration? And then he says in various kinds of tongues. 
He's just trying to show that, that all of these works are appointed by God, anointed by God. Various members of the body have been anointed and appointed by God for building up the church. If you're a Christian, you've not only been made a member of Christ's body, you've been appointed and then anointed with God's very spirit. That should change the way you think of the, when you serve, when, when you use your gifts. Think, this is actually a gift that God's given to me. And he's anointed me. He's going to enable me to, to carry out this gift, to use this gift. So you shouldn't be bashful. You shouldn't be ashamed of those things. You shouldn't be thinking, oh, this isn't a really big deal. I, I can just serve in this way. I can just do this. Yeah, that's because God's Holy Spirit is, has given you that gift. He lists all kinds of ways in verse 28 that people can function. The different maybe offices and functions and roles, but they're all gifts of the Spirit. And he puts tongues at the end, and I think he did it on purpose because perhaps the Corinthians were elevating tongues as, as the sign gift that was the thing that all Christians should have. And so he's debunking that. But you know what, as I was thinking through this, this list of a variety of gifts and the fact that God's appointed people and gifted people in a variety of ways, I started thinking about our church. I started thinking about the various ways he's gifted everyone in this room. And then I started thinking about all the members, and I thought, man, I don't, I'm not really aware, as I was thinking through with all the different people that are members of our church, I'm not aware of anyone who's not using their gifts in some way. And that's, that's wonderful. That's a mark of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's, there's ways that I see people who've been anointed and appointed and empowered by the Spirit and I think of all the different people doing all kinds of different things. I think of people like Tom Chambliss. He does a hundred different things around the building. He's, he's my doctor, but he also puts up signs and does all kinds of things in the background. And people like Stacy Morgan or Anna McCarn and Ashley Pruitt, they coordinate, they lead children's ministry. Emiliane, she, she comes and she gives words of encouragement, edification. She's praying specifically you know, our care group leaders, we have, we have Roger and Judy Easton, we've got Dan and Kimberly Payne, we have Rob, Paul and Rob McGlucci, Matt and Anna McCarnan, we've got Doug and Ann Young, we have, we have gifts of hospitality, people who host care groups in their homes. You know, I think of those who serve on our financial board with gifts of leading or steering the church in financial matters, administrating in that sense of steering. You know, Doug Young's in the elder process, Kimberly Payne, she's leading and teaching and planning the women's Bible studies. She also serves in resource area and, 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 and Dan too. Then we have Steli Whitmire. She gives meals and serving and she leads, uh, she leaves ladybugs all over. If you've not gotten a, a, an encouraging rock from Steli yet, you should go up to her and ask her what that's all about. Uh, we have the Brumleys ushering and the Williamsons kind of doing whatever you ask and hospitality and meals and projection and slide creation. We have folks like John Pactor, Colleen Campbell, Ainsley, Bobby Brumley, Adam McMullen. We have people doing live streaming, my son Noah, Dave and Elliot Cooper, the Hicks, the Doug Young. We have people in sound, Steve Villa, Joshua Rawlings, Scott Blackwell, Sean Blackwell, Tobias Mock. We have people in, in music, you know, think of through the team there. We've got Philip and Jared Alexander, Cass Pactor, Sarah Rawlings, Gwen Smith, Mary Hall, Roddy Lopez, Dave Newell, David Walsh, Liam Morgan, Mike Nicosia, Nicosia, sorry, Mike, uh, Anna McCarnan, <laughs> Tom Chambliss, Rebecca Hamza. We people cleaning the McCarnans, the Pruitts, the Alexanders. We have people doing Sunday building admin, building and decor improvements. You know, Jamie, Jamie comes on Sunday mornings and helps make sure that all the Sunday admin flows. Jamie Pactor, thank you. Um, accounting data entry, Sarah Hicks, Grace Mail, um, Sunday page stuff, Karen Hunter, the Bulletin, Jessica Griffin. 
deposits and kind of entry and that kind of thing. We have Chris Seip, Matt Hall leading the building management, Chris Seip doing the grounds. Both of those kind of gifts of helping with their engineering backgrounds. You know, the whole church welcoming people warmly. When we have people visit, people say, wow, your church is actually friendly. People talk to me. Those are gifts that God's given. We have all kinds of people serving in a variety of ways, and I, I can go on and on and on. We have gifts of counsel, Roger and Judy Easton, Melanie Stixma. We have teaching, discipling the youth, Kelly and, and, and Lucas Vanderwark, where half the church serves as helpers teaching and caring for the children of our church. People doing guest follow-up. Bruce and Stacy Morgan, Gwen Smith, people uh, helping serve in the women's ministry alongside my wife, Julie, and Vincent Hospitality. We... we I could just go on. There's tons of different names here I could read. The Potters, they've already engaging in hospitality. Dave Newell and evangelism and discipleship. Um, the generosity of the church. People being gifted in the gift of giving. People serving with meals. Um, people cleaning each other's homes. Others having the gift of encouragement, evangelism. Some are prayer warriors. Some speak in tongues. Some facilitate the administration of the church, the leadership of the church. People serve behind the scenes and those serve with their gifts up front. It is good to see that God has gifted and appointed and anointed so many people to serve in a variety of ways. And I, I didn't list, if I didn't list your name, it's not because I'm not thinking of you. I just had a ton of people listed here and we don't have time to read them all. Thank you for being a part of the body. By God's grace, the overwhelming majority of our members, they found a role and a place to deploy the gifts that God has appointed and anointed you with. If you haven't found a place, I'll encourage you to do that. Talk to your, your small group leader. Talk to one of the ministry team leaders. Talk to Aaron. Talk to me. But talk to all those fellow people first. You don't even need to talk to Aaron and I. Just find a place where you feel like you can serve and use your gifts for building up the body. You know, I was thinking about it. We, we might be a small church, but God's at work. And God's spirit is evident that he's, he's appointed and he's anointed so many different people, variety of gifts in so many different ways. How exciting is that? We're living in the days of the prophet Joel that he, that he prophesied about. We're living in those days. The question is, are you thinking that way? Are you, are you using those gifts, thinking and relying on the spirit? We get to be a part of Christ's body. We get to carry out his purposes on this earth. And thank God we're not all the same. Even when somebody else really bothers you because of how they use their gifts and they're very different than yours. Thank God for that. You know, God actually sanctifies us when, we, when we're not like somebody else. When somebody else bothers us, it helps our sanctification. That's a gift from God for our good, even when it doesn't feel so good. Thank God for that because you know what? I would never grow on my own. I'd wither up and die on my own. Thank God we're not all the same. The church in Corinth, they needed to get that. They needed to value that. They needed to see that, that they weren't all the same, that they're all gifted as members. And so Paul, he writes to them, he says, you don't all have the same gifts and roles. He says, no member is self-sufficient. That's the third kind of main idea we're looking at this morning is no member is self-sufficient. You know, imagine, I don't know, how many people here like baseball, by the way? I'm not gonna slam you because you like baseball. That's good. God likes weirdos. It's great. Um, so... <laughs> Uh, how many people like football, maybe? Bas okay, basketball, we have some basketball guys. Okay, excellent. Soccer, a few. 
How about wedding photography? Did he like that? <laughs> okay. You know, imagine if there was a, a, a baseball team and everybody was a pitcher. Who are you going to throw to? Who's going to hit the ball? Who's going to run the bases? Who's going who's gonna, to, I don't even know what you call people who are guarding the bases in baseball. It shows you my ignorance about baseball. It's, yeah, well, I know they're basemen, but I just don't, I'm like, well, I, yeah. Everybody's trying to school me on things I know already, but that's okay. It's just a slow game. But anyway, um, so you got, imagine if everybody was a running back in football, but nobody tackled. That would be really boring. Just guys, run the ball. Oh, touchdown, run the ball, touchdown. Run. I mean, how lame would that be? You know, imagine if, if in basketball there's only point guards, but nobody taking free throws, nobody doing the, the three-point shots, nobody, nobody being a forward. Imagine in soccer if everybody's a striker and there's no defenders. That'd be a pretty lame team. Imagine going to a wedding where, where everybody there, you show up and like, somebody says, hey, we're going to have a wedding. But, and you show up and every guest there is a wedding photographer. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> but there's nobody to serve or set up or cook a meal or, or get married. Paul asked the church in Corinth some rhetorical questions and they're just as ridiculous. They're meant to come across in that way. And he says, are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have these miraculous, powerful works? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? We're going to talk about that gift later, by the way. And all these gifts are continuing to be operational in the church today. He says, do all interpret? And the answer is, of course not. Of course not all apostles. Of course not all our teachers or all work miracles. Of course not all possess gifts and healings. Of course not all speak in tongues. Of course not, because otherwise the body would be a mutation. With some parts exaggerated and other parts missing altogether. So instead the body needs all kinds of gifts and gifts that we should value. But at the same time, we shouldn't stop with the gifts we already have. And that's what he's telling them. He says, you are all vital members of the body. And you've all been appointed and anointed with different gifts. But you're not self-sufficient. You all have different amounts of gifts. You all need each other. At the same time, don't be complacent with the gifts you have. Don't just say, like, I've got this gift, but I I can't do anything. No, pray. Ask the Lord. Because he actually commands us. Look, Look in verse 31. It says, but... So we, we all need each other. No one's self-sufficient. But even though we're not self-sufficient, we all need each other. But, but continue to pray, to earnestly, what does he say? Earnestly desire the higher gifts. And this is something he's going to repeat in different forms throughout the next couple of chapters. In chapter 14, he re, kind of repeats that refrain a couple of different times. Do, do you know that's a command? Every member must eagerly desire spiritual gifts. If you are here, and you're a part of the body of Christ, you are a Christian, this is a command that you're meant to obey. It's actually one of our goals for the year, is that we would take, every member would take just, just one time a week, not a big deal, doesn't have to be like this lengthy, hour-long prayer meeting where, you know, where you're gathering with your whole family and you're seeking God's the spiritual gifts. If you want to do that, it's wonderful. But here, we're just asking once a week to, to pray and say, God, would you give me not only a desire for the spiritual gifts, but Lord, would you give your gifts to me and to this church body. 
And the ones I don't have, would you give me those so that we can build up the body? Not so I can compare myself to the people and be better than somebody else, but Lord, so that the whole body can be even stronger. That's what we're asking everybody to do just once a week, pray and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. You know, how many, how many parents are in here, by the way? How many parents are in here? Whether kids are home or not, okay? How would you feel or how did you feel if your children decided to pick and choose which commands of yours they obeyed? How would that be? You're like, that's cool. I don't think so. If you're a parent and your kids are like, mm, I like that command, that's good. I don't like that one. I'm not going to do it. How would, you, how would you react? What would you expect? <laughs> yeah, it's unacceptable. Exactly right. Yeah. No, I mean, there's grace when your kids can't do things or they forget or whatever. You have to help them or whatever. But, but, but the question is not that. The question is, are, are we seeking to, as God's children, do we seek to obey all the gifts, I mean, all, all the commands in Scripture, including this command to earnestly desire higher gifts? You know, if, if my children said, well, that one was tough, or I, I, I didn't feel like a dad. I mean, like, I don't care. Now, now, God doesn't treat us that way. He's not impatient with us the way that I can be. But, you know, I can imagine my kids saying, I, Dad, that, that one was too weird. Mm, mm. It's just a weird, that was a weird one. I didn't want to do that. That was just too weird for me. But sometimes we respond that way when we think of the gifts of spirit, right? And eagerly desiring the gifts of spirit. We're like, that, mm, that's just too weird. Kind of makes me uncomfortable, God. It's outside of my comfort zone. Sure. Because the Holy Spirit moving is outside of all of our comfort zones. It's, it's not meant to make us comfortable. The Holy Spirit's meant to make us more like Jesus. So when we see these commands in the, in the New Testament, we have to think that God actually wants us to pursue them by his grace. Are we pursuing it? Are we eagerly desiring higher gifts? Not to earn merit, not to be impressive before God, not to, but because that's how God's kids do things. They, they, they follow him. They want to obey him. They live in such a way they carry out his commands. There's not, now listen, there's no condemnation, there's no punishment, there's no shame when we don't fully obey God's commands. And the, and the reason why is because all that condemnation, punishment, and shame has already been put on Jesus. So, so it frees us up to saying, hey, because I know there's none of those things, I don't have to worry about failing and doing them badly. I can freely say, God, I want to try to obey you however, however, however flawed that is. Knowing there's no condemnation, punishment, or shame because all that's already been put on Christ and none remains for us. But I have a question. Why, why wouldn't you want to have the gifts of spirit? Why wouldn't you want to see God working powerfully and mightily? Can you imagine if, if every member really gets to the place where they're pursuing the Lord and if God actually answers those prayers? Wow. Now, desiring higher gifts, you know, he's, he's not trying to say that that, that tongues is the least, but, but, but he is resetting the order of things. And I, I think he, he lists the first three. He says, you know, one apostles, two prophets. And, and by the way, that, that, that word is both used for Old Testament and New Testament prophecy alike. And then he says teachers. I think he's listing those because those are, those are gifts of, of encouraging, edifying God, building up God's people with his word. And so later he's going to talk in chapter 14 about the gift of prophecy for today um, as a means of building up and encouraging. These are, these are things that are edifying. That's why tongues is at the last because if somebody speaks in a tongue, there's no interpretation, then it's really not edifying. They just think you're nuts. And he's going to talk about that later. 
But this first part of verse 31, it's not a suggestion. It's, it's in fact the only imperative in this passage. But you, is implied, eagerly desire the higher gifts. And he's going to go on to talk about what those higher gifts are, those gifts that, that build up, that edify, that encourage the body. Because if you're part of a local church, by the way, if you're part of the body of Christ, don't you want that body to be built up? Or you just want to stay the same as stagnate? Church, if you, if you want to stagnate, please go somewhere else. I'm being serious. If you, if you want to stagnate in your walk with Christ, this is not the church for you. We, we don't want members who are just status quo and not pursuing growth in Christ, who are not pursuing the Spirit. We want everyone to pursue growing in Christ because that's a sign of a follower of Christ. And he says, this, this word eagerly desire, by the way, that, that's the same word for, for being zealous for something, to be zealously in pursuit, to be earnestly, to eagerly desire something. It's the same command that, that Paul is going to come back to later and, and say earnestly desire, eagerly desire. You can, you can put that in different ways. Be zealous, almost to the point of coveting, but not negatively. So just, I, I want, Lord, I want you to work. I want your spirit to be at work. I want... You to give me gifts, not for me, but so that I can be a part of this body, so this whole body can be built up. And God, if each and every member of us, we, 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 you give us gifts, then man, we're gonna set the world on fire by his grace. Be imparted with his spirit for works of ministry. That's what the world needs, is people empowered by the spirit going and doing the works of the spirit. You know, I, I think, I wonder if the reason why we don't see some of the gifts of the Spirit in operation the same as we did in the first couple hundred years of the church. And by the way, we saw them the first couple hundred years of the church. I did a little study while I was preparing for this and all the different church fathers for the first 200 years, they, they, they all talked about these. as They're ongoing, continuous gifts. And then you see it waning as, as society became more, okay, intellectual or we're going to be logic-based. We're not going to rely on something that's outside of ourselves. Self-sufficiency grew and the work of the Spirit diminished. And, and I wonder, you know, maybe it's because we're not asking. That's why they're not seen as much. Because you know what, you know what Jesus said in Luke, in Luke eleven nine. 9? He says, and I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone... Huh, by the way, just write this verse down. It's not on your overheads, but write this verse down, Luke 11, 9 to 13. He says, for everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if the son asks for a fish, will instead give a, a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, listen to what he's talking about. Listen to the context. How much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And then he's going to go on. He closes this verse. We're talking about, he's going to show them a more excellent way. And that way is the way of love because all of the gifts are to be carried out in love because we love Christ, because we love his body. And so we want to love his body even more. That's why we're desiring these spiritual gifts so we can carry them out in love. We're going to get that in more depth next week. But the main idea is simply this. God, God he's appointed he has appointed gifted members. That's the main idea, that he has appointed gifted members 
And he wants us to grow in giftedness to build up his body. That's the last point. I think you can have it on a slide, by the way, if you can go to the last one there. There you go. He's appointed gifted members, and he wants us to grow in giftedness to build up his body. Now, now for this week, how do we respond? Just, I just want to respond in, in just really four simple ways. Four simple ways to respond, and they're, they're, they go along with our points. Respond by remembering you're a vital member of Christ's body, and so on as everyone else here. Respond by remembering that God's anointed and appointed you with his spirit. Respond by remembering that, that no member is self-sufficient. We need each other. And then let's eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. I pray that you would encourage us, Lord, that, you would, that we would be astounded, we would worship you even more, just realizing that, that you have poured out your spirit and we have access now to you and we have access to all of your gifts through the spirit. And though, Father, thank you that, that we would be able to worship you and praise you and use the gifts you've given for your glory. And I, I pray, Lord, that you would just give us joy in that and freedom and that you would let us grow in your gifts. God, we pray for all of this by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. If you are visiting here with us, I want to say thank you specifically for um, visiting. We've got a gift for you out in the lobby, a free book we'd like to give to you. They just, uh, if you got a little welcome card, fill it out and hand it to somebody back in the lobby. We'll get you a gift. And um, thank you for being with us. May God bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you his peace. You are dismissed. Thanks.